Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another of the 50 most relevant as we count our way through who I believe are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. We're into the single digits now. It's been a long time coming. Number nine today, Adelaide Crow midfielder, Matt Crouch. Joining me on this episode, I've got Kane back. Hello, buddy. How are you doing? Very well, MJ. What an absolute magnet Matt Crouch has been. He's been on that precipice, I feel like, of real uber elite territory. Yeah. He's had the great finish to 2020. Is 2021 the year? that we finally see Matt Crouch reach those levels that honestly, I think all of us believe he can get to and yeah. can hold for the next few years at least. And that'll be exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode. Still just the 25 years old. Here's the Crouch that stayed both at the Crows, but also stayed delivering into some other key important areas that we'll talk about. His best score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was a 125 against the GW Jess Giant. What is that team even called? The Giants. That other Sydney team. Uh, 125. Not bad in shortened quarters. Uh, while a career score in Supercoach for him against the Hawks, it was a 162. In terms of his career ever score against uh, AFL fantasy formats, well, that's a 151 just in 2019 against the West Coast Eagles. Last year, an 88.3 dream team average. That's been adjusted up for AFL fantasy coaches, multiplying it by 1.25. A 1. 10. But in Supercoach, that was his season-ending average in that format. In Supercoach, he's priced just under 600 k 844000 in AFL Fantasy, while in DT, just on exactly $816,000. And Kane, if you owned Matt Crouch for the entirety of, of the 2020 season, it was the true fantasy footy roller coaster. Slow start, gets dropped for a week, and then for the last 10 to 13 games of the year, absolutely smoked it and was one of the most informed players of the comp. Yeah, MJ, it was a fascinating year. Obviously, Adelaide, you know, winning their wooden spoon, no one thought that was going to be happening. And as a result, you know, a big call had to be made in round four. And Matt Crouch was that guy that was dropped, um, came back into the side with, you know, some more desire, everyone thought. And it did take him a little bit of time, though, to get back. And, and it was really hard, wasn't it? Because the Crows yeah. at the, in those early rounds still in round five, six, seven, eight, nine, really, that, that key loss to North Melbourne, it just wasn't clicking at all. Yeah. And it's so hard. We've spoken about it a lot. If your side is good, competitive, and especially if you have a control of the game, mm. you look at some of the stats, MJ, in those first nine rounds, Adelaide were recording all-time worst differentials. Yeah. The center clearance in particular, yeah. you know, typically the 18th side in the comp is about two or three clearances a game worse off than their opponent. Adelaide was up around six or seven. Like Gosh. that is how much they were getting dominated. It put immediate pressure on the back line. It limited the supply going forward and it made it really hard to possess the ball. And we know that's what Matt Crouch is best at. He's a ball winner. Yeah. He's great at flicking it on. How many times when you watch him, does he get involved in change where, chains where he gets three or four disposals at least in those movements? And it just didn't happen in those early rounds. And no. it, was, it was really, really tough. In saying that, as tough as it was, he still hit 
the end of round nine, averaging about 95 DT yeah. and just under 100 Supercoach at 98. So you think about how tough sledding it was being in that Adelaide side. You know, they were winless all the way up until round 15. Yeah. So to still be doing that, I think that sort of demonstrates his flaw that we love to talk about. Yeah. And clearly, MJ, when we got to round 10, you know, they, were, they started to look like things were clicking. You know, they pushed a few sides a little closer. I think that Geelong game in particular, that was the one, wasn't just it? before their bye, when you thought, you know, there was something in the Melbourne game. You know, there was, maybe there was something in the Adelaide and obviously the Bulldogs were clinical. But in Geelong, it started to come together a little bit more. And it's no surprise that from that round 13 onwards, when they were in games, you yeah. know, in games against Geelong and Richmond, that's your mm. grand finalists. And then yeah. there was three other wins against Hawthorne, GWS and Carlton. It's no surprise that Matt Crouch averaged 129 super coach points oh. and an unadjusted 104 DT points, which again, Ooh. I'm looking forward to future years, MJ. We don't have to refer to this conversion, <laughs> but I'll do it one more time for people who have missed it. That is 130 DT points adjusted in those final five games that he played. It's crazy, isn't it? Look, he still ended the year averaging 26 possessions, you know, a handful of marks a game, a career high 4.6 tackles per game. Remembering that was in shortened quarters as well. It's just incredible for him. And across the league per game, he ranked first for handballs, fifth for disposals, sixth for uncontested possessions. And an important stat where he's been previously been knocked for his efficiency with the use of ball. He ranked seventh per game for effective disposals. You talked about that back five games of the year, but it's looking at even more of that, like across the season, um, he pretty much was struggling before the getting dropped. 64.3 on adjusted 80 in AFL fantasy. But beyond that, he returned with five tons, unadjusted, four additional scores over 90, two over 80, and a lowest from round five onwards, a lowest score of 75. So the final 13 matches, an adjusted average of 117 or going at 93.9. So it's not just a great five games, friends. This is three quarters of the year we saw him fly. By season's end, Matt averaged that 88.3, adjusted 110, ranked 19th for total points. Not bad to get inside the top 20 in AFL Fantasy and DT total points with a rubbish start and being down a game. And he ranked 14th for averages that had him ahead of guys like Andrew Gaff, Adam Trelaw, Christian Petrarca, even with a rubbish start, he still ended better than these guys in super coach. Similar, an okay start average of 88 over the first three, but over the final 13 games, 115 average, 10 tons, five over 120, including that career high score of 162. And after the home and away season, he ended the year with that average of 110. And as you have already alluded to, that really nice scoring basement too. Just the two scores all year under 90. And he's done it before. 2019, he averaged 106 in Dream Team and Fantasy. 13 tons, five over 120. Two of them were over 150. Added to that, only to the two scores below 89. So we're seeing that nice, high, consistent scoring floor. Supercoach in 2019, he averaged 104, 10 tons, including three over 130. And across the 19 games he played, he just had three matches that he failed to score 90 or more. You look back over the past four years, this is what it looks like. A consistent 105 to 110 style average in Supercoach and a constant 10 to 15 tons across a year. Similarly in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. 
consistently around that 105 plus sort of range of a, well, maybe not plus, but a 105 DT and AFL fantasy hundreds and consistently 12, 13 plus tons a year. Plain and simple cane, nice ceiling, nice high floor. And even if he doesn't deliver what he did at the back end of last year, he feels like a relatively safe pick for us, doesn't he? Yeah. The thing I, I really like about Crouch, and it was something that people I think were wondering, how does he take his game to the next level? Like you yeah. look at his previous three years when they were full games, 33, 32, 32 disposals a game. Like those are all-time record numbers. Like you can't ask him to get more of the ball. I think what mm. you alluded to earlier though in the tackling yeah. is where people get really excited because as we've spoken about, you have to have another column that's going to help you be an elite scorer. It can't just be disposals. You know, he's he's not a real mark guy. Like that's no. not really how he plays. He's not a game. link-up player in that way, no. But when you see that tackle count, and again, you alluded to that, the record numbers of it, prior to this season, he'd, he'd only had double-digit tackles in two games. First 100 you look, games. You look at what he did this year in the back half when those big scores were coming, yeah. he produced a 14 tackle game and a 12 tackle game. In shortened so, quarters. <laughs> in shortened quarters. So you think, okay, it's not outrageous to think that, you know, the disposals will always be there. It's just, that's the way he plays his game. It's what his game's built on. He's going to be a low 30 disposal guy, which is clearly elite. But you yeah. start getting excited if you think, you know, when he averaged that 106 in 2019, he was with three and a half tackles a game. Yeah, it's not crazy to think that that gets up to six. Yep. And now all of a sudden, there's your ten points, and you're a one fifteen mid. Like I think that's what's super super exciting. The other thing as well is, he was handballing more last year. Yeah. And maybe that's a directive for his super coach game. We've seen a Lockie Neal do it in previous years. Obviously, he took it to another level with his efficient kicking. Yes. But if Matt Crouch thinks, you know what, maybe I am just the guy that gets the contested ball, flicks it on. Really high efficiency, not going to be driving, you know, key scoring plays as much, but just involved in that chain. Yeah. I can see if that DT gets to 115, there's no reason the super coach can't get to 120 as well. And we know when you're in those territories, you're a top eight mid. Yeah. If you're not, you're not going to be far off the pace and you're not going to be missing out on by much having a guy like Matt Crouch. Clearly, roll's not a worry, MJ. No. I think the thing that is a worry is, again, Adelaide can't really be worse than last year. I don't <laughs> no. see it taking as long as it took last year. Yeah. Again, the buy is probably the main Round issue. Round 14, spoken about the this. one we don't like. Yep. Just because it puts so much pressure on um, your side if this guy just sort of holds ground because you're going to have to carry him. You could potentially move him on. That is an option, but it yeah. seems awfully luxurious to have Very be much. banking on moving your guy. I think the real reason that people won't touch him to start mm. is there's probably not much value. You know, I'm talking yeah. about it going really well and you may be netting at the best case 10 points, but probably more likely, you know, three to five. Like I think if he had a 113 season, mm. like that's a really good year. Like you are in the top eight again, but there's not much fat on the bone there, is there? No. When you look at some of the guys like a Walsh or a Raul or, you know, Patrick Cripps that's coming back. I think there's people who go, you know, he could probably match Matt Crouch and it's 10, 15 points cheaper. That's the thing yeah. I think that's stopping people from really jumping on. I think everyone thinks he's great. I think everyone thinks he's going to be in the mix. Yeah. But I think people also think 
he's not the type of guy that really burns me. He's not that type of guy. He's more just death by a thousand cuts than 150, 150, 150. Is yeah. that what you think? Yeah, I look, I think he's that perfect guy that when it comes to his game, while he's shown he's presented more of a ceiling this year, that frequency of ceiling, like you've said, getting on that run of five or six weeks of going 130 plus in Supercoach, 120 plus in Dream Team and Fantasy, as yet hasn't massively shown that. In now in adjusted averages, he has. Supercoach, yep, he, he's done that. But also if you go back through his career, he's gone on these mini runs of five, eight, 10 games. And sometimes at the back of seasons too, where you're like, here it is. And you start the year and he doesn't, he won't burn you. He, he's one of the safest midfielders just because he'll get his hands on it mid to high twenties every single time. He, he'll be in and around the ball all the time. He's, you know, his time on ground's not going to go up too drastically. I think that's the case, but he's not going to hurt you if you start him and he holds while on the other side, if you pick him and you're hoping he can go up a level, it's there and it's a possibility. But just because he's done it over the back end of one year, he's shown he's done that previously and then just holds in that 105, 106, 108 range. And Maybe, MJ, that's where the tackles can take him to the next level. Because yeah. you look at the stretch he had this year. And if you look at it from the DT point of view, from round 11 to 16, his lowest score was 96. That's an adjusted 120. Yeah. His highest score in that time was 125, which takes you up around, you know, 156, 157. Yeah. So that's the type of time where you go, wow, that is an important stretch where he's almost on, you know, that 140 territory. Yeah. Um, I think that from a supercoach perspective in those same rounds, it was 132, 133, 162, 148. Yeah. Um, the funny part is those four scores in that consecutive, in those consecutive rounds were his four highest scores for the year. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, it's a really hot patch, but it doesn't seem to be like, you know, there's not the 180, you know, 120, 120, 180. Like it's, it's those type of guys that can really get away from you. Um, clearly if Matt Crouch started that way, you'd be over the moon. That's an yeah. incredible start, but um, that's probably a situation then when you're not going to buy into him at that price either, you know, it's going to come back down um, because I just think he's that type of guy that's, I've got him pegged at 112, 113 again, MJ. That's yeah. where, it, for me, it's like he's got to be in the mix because I think he's going to be – I want him in my completed team. I really yeah. do. It's just do I need to have that as a bit of a luxury target, you know, pick my run, or is it, you know, I start him, he's there, he's safe. Yeah. It's just – it's probably one of those things where it's more on everyone else than him. Like I'm not – I don't need to see anything from, from Matt. No. Again, if he plays the preseason game, great. Honestly, if he didn't and they just said, hey, he's fine, but we wanted to give other people a run, he's done an intra club or whatever. Sure. Um, I just think end of the day, he gets there. It's more like what do the pieces around him do and how much confidence do I have in them to maybe give me some more value for a similar return? Yeah, it's a good call. Look, he has undergone some surgery in the off-season, but it was arthroscopic surgery uh, in the hip during the off-season. So certainly neither Kane or I are doctors, uh, but that's not an invasive-style surgery. It's not a reconstruction. There's not major work through there. So from that perspective, I'm not There hasn't been any major worry, has there, MJ? Like, there's no, like... Oh, Look, there's been the odd hamstring here or there with him. You know, he's always seems to be taped up for something. But in terms of, you know, we talked about Josh Kelly yesterday on the podcast uh, with Lou, who most seasons seems to find a way to get himself injured. That's not there with Matt. So with Matt, nice consistency in terms of he'll turn you plenty of times. His floor, really, really high. So more than likely, he's not going to burn you with a bad game. On the other side, 
has he got a bit of room for growth? I think if that defensive work that can continues on, and if you watched Adelaide, not just last year, but over the past few years, you'd know that's been a knock on Matt, that second and third work rate effort when he doesn't have the ball. Over the last chunk of last year, we saw that defensive and that buy into the Crows game plan from him. So I think where's the upside come? It's holding that possession rate, building that tackle count to stay for more than just a 10-week stretch for a 22-week stretch. At best, he turns a 115-year in DT, and I can see that. He turns another 115-year in Supercoach, and I can see that. What's the worst-case scenario? Probably a 105, which is around about what he's priced now. And if you can handle that as a worst-case scenario, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with him as a captain option most weeks at this stage, but it can certainly be a consideration for you. It's not like, uh, you know, a Jackson McRae of last year or a Max Gorn of previous years where you just go, let's put the captaincy on and not worry about it. I don't feel like he's like that. But if you're like the downside I can deal with, the buy round doesn't hurt my structure. And I think there's growth of five to 10 points per game due to that defensive output. Well, then it's a pretty easy selection for you. Yeah, totally agree. What do you think of a draft? Oh, I think he's an M1 in DT and AFL fantasy formats, but he's not a first round pick. Um, and then I think and is that super- because the ceiling's not there to maybe, or I guess we, again, we can't say it's not there. We just said he can get to that level, but is yeah. it maybe that there's some other guys in other lines? Yeah. I just think people will see someone like a, a merit McRae, yeah. even with his question marks, Neil, even with his, yeah, all these guys before. and go, yeah, I'll feel safer in a first round selection, but in the second round, once you've locked away an alternate position, happy to have him as my N1 in super coach. He could go second round. I think it's more likely an M2 in that format than an M1. Um, given that we know you guys you alluded to that are beneath him, like a Patrick Cripps, they'll go ahead of him in draft more than likely, given what legacy wise Cripps has done. But I still think he's off the board inside the first three or four rounds out at the very latest through there. So M1 in DT and fantasy for me, M2 in super coach. But if someone took him at M1 and went heavy in other lines, wouldn't be against that at all. What about you? Yeah, I think you probably want him like midway through the second. Mm. I think it's that classic thing where you've got picks six or seven, roughly around there. It comes back around to you and you see what's been left. You get a wick field, you, you get a side and bottom, you get happy. a danger field, you're whatever. Yeah. yeah, and you probably give him the edge over the next pack because he's proven that he can do a 105 year on year. And I'm talking about, you know, maybe a Steel, maybe a Petrarca. Yeah. Um, he's probably, you know, just behind another Melbourne midfielder, I think, just because of what that guy's done. But yep. you can sort of see the tier that he's in, again, just yep. because the floor's so good. Like, it's just, it's riskless you know he's the perfect basement uh, not basement he's a perfect draft player isn't he got a bit of a ceiling yeah not gonna hurt you in a match durability is more than more than fine again yeah. as i said there's been two incidents really again last year he would have played every game well sorry i should say he was available to play every That's game the one. he was yeah. just he just wasn't selected for one of them but um as i said real safe yeah it's just more about is there enough value there and what yeah. are those other players doing that you think maybe they can get comparable scoring. Again, I'm very confident that he is in the top eight. And if he's not in the top eight, he's awfully close. In dream team and fantasy in or dream team, In yeah. dream team and fantasy for sure. Yeah. Super coach, it's probably a little bit more fringe just because you look at the numbers and most years he's 
he's actually a better scorer in DT. Whereas we yeah. know a Fife or a Crips, for example, when they're really humming, they're plus ten. Yeah. So that's a- that's hard to compete with for him. Um, but I just feel like MJ, he's that guy that if you if you're struggling for, oh, I don't know how I feel about these guys, and play you finish, bat. Yeah. In, yeah, you play a straight bat, and you maybe take a chance elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Matt's not going to hurt you, but also he does have that ability to get on a run and be a really impactful player for you. Um, and I just think he's got the game that if I had to bet that he has a 115 in him in his career, yeah, I would bet that. And I yeah, wouldn't be I shocked so if it's too. this year as he hits, you know, he's, per- he's perfect age, 26. That's usually when guys start playing their best really footy. Pumping. So yeah, um, no risk, but maybe, as I said, not the heights that it would take, and which is probably why he's not quite in the top five, top three. Yep. Um, but again, in 12 months' time, there's no reason to think that maybe he couldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked if it, by the end of the year he was in the conversations, one of the top two or three DT and AFL fantasy players uh, through the midfield. I'd agree with that. If he was, you know, crept, crept into the top eight super coach midfielders by season end, I, I see a world where that can happen and not like a, oh, wow, like a, oh, yeah, it just it all came together for him. Yeah. That, oh, and that the other thing right. is we haven't even mentioned what we usually mention with quality mids is there's no tag risk for him. No. So it's like, we know that's the thing that when we look at some of the real heavy hitters, we plan around, you know, avoiding a DeBoer, you know, avoiding maybe a team that they have a bad history against. Like Matt really, that doesn't affect him too much because he's not that type of guy. And especially when you think about a Sloan coming back, you know, what he gives inside. Exactly. When those guys are up and about the impact they can have. Yeah. um, Again, it's just something that normally that's the first thing we talk about with these big mids. And for Matt, that's another tick in his box that that's just not a concern for him, really. Yeah, it's a really good point, man. All right, there you go. That's what we reckon about Matt Crouch. He's right in the mix for one of the best midfielders this year. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, You can let us know across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to go back and read the article on him or anybody else, it's all online for you, coachespanel.tv and via Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, and Google Podcasts. It's everywhere. Let's be honest. You can go and check out all the other episodes of the 50 Most Relevant. Tomorrow, we get to number eight. We're staying in the midfield. But who's it going to be? 